continuing again as we've been this morning in uh, John's Gospel, walking through the Gospel of John. That's a series of messages that we're in, and we're going to continue in that series this morning. And today's message we're going to call Losing is Winning. Losing is winning. Now, I know that that might sound strange to many of us, and I know certainly that it might sound like a contradiction in the cultures that we've come from and grown up in. Because in the cultures and in the world in which we live, winning is everything, and losing never equates to winning. Winning is everything in the world in which we live. And people fiercely compete to win at all costs in all different areas of life. Yet, when we look at Jesus, when we look at His life, when we look at how He demonstrated laying down His life so freely for us all, he embraced the loss of his very life. He embraced the loss of all of his rights to gain the greatest victory, to gain the wonders of salvation for the whole world and for us. Jesus lost. It looked like Jesus lost when he died when he hung on the cross, when he went into the grave, it looked like the greatest defeat of all time. And yet Jesus embraced loss in order to triumph, in order to win and to glorify his Father in heaven. Last week, if you remember, we looked at John chapter 13, where John recalls the night when Jesus was eating his last supper with His disciples. And again, this morning, we're going to look at the new commandment that Jesus gave to His disciples on that night at that last supper. And this morning, we're just going to, towards the end of this message, we're going to go through some Scriptures to uncover the spirit of that new command that Jesus gave to His disciples, because this new commandment that Jesus gave to His disciples was to be the hallmark of the church that He would build through them. This wasn't just some emotional statement that Jesus was giving to His disciples as He contemplated the final hours of His life. This new commandment had not been spoken before. They had seen Jesus minister to masses of people. They had seen Jesus so unreservedly give His life to others. And on this night, it was almost like the pinnacle of their lives with Him as He revealed one of the, probably the greatest commandment that would ever be given to them. And it was reserved for this night. Jesus was very exact about His timing. He could have issued this command at any other time, but He chose this night, this very moment, to reveal it to 
his disciples, and this commandment was to be the hallmark of their lives and every other life in Christ on beyond them. After washing their feet, he was going to reveal a new way to live, a new dimension to exist in. And it was all encapsulated and wrapped up in this new command in John chapter 13. Let me read it to you. John chapter 13, verse 34 through to verse 35. It says this, Jesus speaking, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, one of the striking things about this new commandment when you read it, like we've just done, is that Jesus spoke this to his disciples. He was guiding them. He was directing them, commanding them, and instructing them how to live. But he doesn't say what we would naturally think he would say on a night like this. Naturally speaking, if you or I had invested all of our time and all of our lives into people and, giving, and given them our very best, as Jesus had done for his disciples, we'd more than likely be saying something like this, a new commandment I give to you, as I have loved you, now you must love me in return. Give back to me as I have given to you. Love me in the way that I have loved you. I've laid my life down for you. I've given you my love so unconditionally. Now in return, you owe me. Now in return, I'm commanding you to love me in the way that I have loved you. But Jesus wasn't issuing that kind of command. He wasn't asking them. Now, it's important for us to understand this. He wasn't asking them to love him in the way that he had loved them. No, Jesus was doing something that was so unique, so wonderful, and so dynamic. Jesus was calling his disciples to love one another as he had loved them. He wasn't asking them to make a promise to love him, although they would. He wasn't setting out high demands Saying, I've loved you. You've seen how committed I've been to you. Now I want the same commitment in return. No, Jesus wasn't saying that. 
He was saying, as I've loved you, I want you to reciprocate that love, not back to me. I want you to reciprocate that love to one another. Little did the disciples know, but they were about to see the dimensions of Jesus' love demonstrated for the whole world in the most incomprehensible way. And it was amazing what Paul did this morning and how he showed us graphically how incomprehensible that love of God is through Christ Jesus for us on the cross. In but a few hours beyond their meal together, Jesus would be whipped. Jesus would be beaten. Jesus, like Paul said, would be stripped naked. Jesus would be nailed to a cross. His side would be pierced. His heart would burst and break as blood and water flowed from his open wound. And there, naked, hanging between heaven and earth, he would be abused verbally, as if crucifixion wasn't enough, as if the whipping and the beating and, and the, the, the crown of thorns and all of the unimaginable tortures that Jesus went through, if that wasn't enough, then came the crowd mocking, hurling abuse at him in his lowest moment, hated, despised, and then bearing all of the judgment of God for our collective wickedness and sinfulness, and it all came down on Him. Because He loves us. He loves us. And the ultimate expression in what we can't even imagine the ultimate expression of Jesus in one of the last dying breaths that he had was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It was this love. It was this love. Not just the love of the previous three years that they had seen, Healing, delivering, restoring, bringing sanity of mind. Oh, that was love on an unconditional scale. That was love that was immense and beyond measure to restore and to heal and to, to mend that which was broken and to set the prisoner free. Everything that they had seen over the three years of being with Jesus was an incomprehensible love that they had never known. But it wasn't the full dimensions of God's love. This love on the cross as they were witnessing, as they were seeing, it was this love that Jesus was commanding them to walk in. This very dimension of sacrifice, this very dimension of unconditional Forgiveness and unconditional love.
This was to be the hallmark of each of their lives. Now, the disciples in and of themselves knew, much like every one of us, they knew that it was completely impossible for them to walk in this manner of love. Beyond our means, beyond our capacity, we don't have the reserves within our human nature to walk in this way. But Jesus was going to the Father, and He had told them that it was of great advantage that He go to the Father because He was about to send the promised Helper, the Holy Spirit, and it would be the Holy Spirit filling them with God's love that would empower them to live in this way as He empowers us to live in this way. Listen to Paul's words, and I referred to this last week, but we're going we're gonna to see it come up on the screens. Listen to Paul's words in Romans 5, verse 5 to, through to verse 8. He says this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given us. God's love has been poured out into your heart and into my heart via the Holy Spirit, enabling us to fulfill this new command. Now, is it easy? No. No, it's not. Let me tell you a little story. And some of my best stories are about the times where I've made a real mess. And, and failed miserably at this. But it may help you. <laughs> I remember many years ago, thank God it was before I was a pastor, but I made a couple of big mistakes being a pastor. I probably had to apologize more for being a pastor than I had before. But we're, we're learning. We're growing. Remember working in an engineering shop, and I was, in, I was in charge of this project. Why they put me in charge, I'll never know. But they trusted me. I was in charge of this project, and there was a lot of pressure. Some time, some deadlines on it, and, you know, you're running around, and yeah, pressure, and you're speaking to people in, in ways that are not nice, and they're responding in ways that are not nice. Anyway, this one day, me and this guy go head to head, and um, he needed this, this piece of equipment that I had, and I needed it, and he asked me for it, and I, I just, just outrightly, rudely said, no, you're not having it, I'm using it. Even at the time, I wasn't using it. But we were just really in contention. Well, with that, he throws his tools down. I throw my tools down. And, two, and like two raging bulls, we run at each other and then stop and just start to scream at each other. Now, the difference between me and him is I've got God's love in my heart. I'm not manifesting it. Right? I wasn't. I can assure you. Right? We're screaming at each other. 
We're doing what human beings do when they get angry. And, you know, there's, there's, there's no let up. And he's getting out of breath because he's so angry, and I'm getting out of breath because I'm so angry. And we're just going for it head to head. And, the, you know, potentially, I, I don't think I would have gone to blows because he was bigger than me. I probably, if he'd have gone to blows, I would have run out the door, right? But um, just before it really went to another level and got physical, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. He's amazing, the Holy Spirit. I honestly know, right? You'll find this. You can be shouting your head off at somebody in a rage, angry, and the Holy Spirit will just have a little quiet chat with you peaceably. And uh, as I was shouting, and as he was shouting, the Holy Spirit said to me, Dave, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? That's what he said. And and I responded, what do you mean, Holy Spirit? Still shouting at this guy. What do you mean, Holy Spirit? He said, what do you think you're doing? He said, ask him to forgive you. What? What do you mean, ask him to forgive me? Ask him to forgive you. He said, you should be an example to him. You should be expressing my love to him. This was all in a matter of seconds. The guy's name was Jason. He said, Jason, hold on. We've been screaming for about 10 minutes at each other, almost coming to blow. I said, Jason, please stop, please. He stopped to take a breath. I said, Jason, please forgive me. I shouldn't be shouting. I shouldn't be angry. What I have said to you and what I have done is wrong, Jason. I, am, I, I love Jesus. He knew that I love Jesus. J- Jason, you know I said, I love Jesus. Please forgive me. Have, have the tools. In fact, let me help you do what you need to do. Jason, I am really, really sorry. I am wrong. It's not right what I'm doing, what I'm saying to you. Do you know what? Now, the guy's bigger than me. The guy is stronger than me. He broke down and started crying right? And man, he had needs in his life. We prayed together right there. And you know what? The amazing thing is, we became better friends than ever. We really did. We really did. But sometimes we fail at this. Not sometimes. Not all the time. Not sometimes, not all the time. But lots of times, we fail at this. But when we get challenged with these situations in life, it's right there in the midst of the challenge that we learn the most. I learned that day that being angry, that being contentious, that, that an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth doesn't work. It does not work. What's the point in winning an argument if you lose a friend? That day, I learned a lesson. Now on from that day, I failed lots of times and probably will on beyond today. But every, every time I fail, every time I falter 
in this area where I don't express the love of God that is inside of me, I have to come back and say, Lord, messed up again. Please forgive me. And you know what? The Holy Spirit takes you through and He helps you and He takes you on. And that's how you grow. When Paul tells us in Romans 5 that God's love has been poured out in our hearts, the word that he uses for poured means that God has used an inexhaustible measure to spread his love out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. That's what enables us to live this life of Christ in amidst a world that's full of contention, in amidst everyday situations of life that want to rattle you, that want to annoy you, that want to bring you into strife, in amidst of all of that, it's this love, if we can, allow it to, to, to formulate our choices and to guide our actions if we will allow this love of God inside of us to express itself through us to others we'll work, we'll walk in another dimension of living the God dimension of living in Galatians 5 verse 6 Paul continues to tell us that this Inner love is to be expressed outwardly through our actions as a demonstration of our faith. Our faith isn't just to be expressed in what we believe. Our, our faith isn't just to be expressed by the words of our mouth. Now, our words are important. But that's not the final hallmark. That's not the final expression of our faith. Paul calls for our faith to be expressed through love. Galatians 5 verse 6 says this, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Not faith expressing itself through miracles. Not faith expressing itself through a creed around what we believe. But faith expressing itself through love. And it's possible. It's possible for us to live in this way. It's possible for us to allow our love to be expressed as we live our lives for Christ. James the Apostle, in his letter, you can read it. He says, faith without works is dead. What works was he talking about? He was talking about the works of love. The unconditional love. The unrestricted love of Christ that flows through our lives into the world in which we live and in 
to the relationships that we have. Paul tells us that it's possible to live a life of faith that looks very impressive, but amounts to nothing. That's what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Even though he says, you might have faith that can move mountains. Even though you might have a great testimony of God's power that's moved in relation to your faith. Faith without love, he says, in 1 Corinthians 13, amounts to a life that is really nothing. The only thing that counts, Paul says to us, in Galatians 5 verse 6, is faith expressing itself through love. And we can see this practically in Paul's writings. We can see this, how, how he prioritizes faith working through love in all of the letters that he wrote to the churches, through his one another expressions in his letter. Paul the Apostle took Jesus' command very seriously and insightfully and wisely he unpacks it practically to direct all believers to love one another as we have been loved by Jesus. For instance, in Romans 15, 7, Paul says this, accept one another. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. In the house of God, there are many different people. In the body of Christ, in the church, there are people from all different nations and all different cultures and many different ethnicities. But irrespective of our background, irrespective of our culture, irrespective of the differences that we have and the views that we hold and the opinions that we've grown up with, irrespective of all of that, Paul says, as an expression of love, accept one another. Just as Christ has accepted you, Jesus has accepted you, Jesus has accepted me with all of our flaws, with all of our faults, with all of our failures. When He chose me, He didn't choose a, 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 a finished package, my goodness me. He chose somebody who was dead in sin, full of wickedness, a nature that was rebellious against God, and he chose that, he accepted that, and he said, Dave, I accept you because I've got a plan for your life, and your, my plan is to make you as glorious as I am. And in that same spirit of love, Paul says that's how we should be towards one another. Accept one another, he says, just as Christ accepted you. Then on, you could look into 
Colossians 3, verse 12 through to verse 14. Listen to what Paul says here. Since God chose you to be, ho- to be the holy people He loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. We go to Galatians 5, verse 13. Paul again, guiding and instructing us as to how we are to practically embody this new command, how we're to practically live out in action these words of Jesus, to love one another as He has loved us, says this in verse 13 of Galatians 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. When I was on that shop floor, in that engineering workshop in Astrid Munnock, standing toe-to-toe angrily with Jason, I was indulging in the flesh. That is what I was doing. I'm going to rip your head off. You want the welder? My goodness me, I'm going to swing it at you now. That's indulging in the flesh. That's taking up your rights. That's refusing to lose because you think you've got to win. Well, when the flesh wins, you do lose. No, Jesus said, He who tries to hold on to his life will lose it. He who loses his life, you can read it in Matthew. He who loses his life will find it. When I decided to lay down and not indulge in the flesh through my anger and through my words to Jason, and I decided to to do what I wouldn't naturally do and obey the Holy Spirit and ask Jason to forgive me and, and humble myself, Didn't want to do that. But when I decided to do that and serve Jason, do you know what? I found life. I found a greater dimension to life. And I can't say that I've always lived in it, but I've seen it and I've experienced it. And once you see it and once you experience it, you want more of it. Because it's the only thing that works. This new command, it is the only thing that works in our relationships. It's the only thing that works in any church. It's the only thing that works out there in the world. People don't want to know what we believe by what we say. They want to, they want to see a living Christ working among us, expressing love for one another. That is how All men will know that we are His disciples. Then continuing on, 
in Ephesians 4, I'm going to skip the, the, the one in Galatians 6, but continuing on in Ephesians 4 verse 2, this is how Paul is unpacking practically this new command that Jesus gave on the night that he was betrayed by Judas. He said this, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Then on into verse 32 of Ephesians 4, Paul continues by saying, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. My goodness, I can't tell you how much God has forgiven me. I really, I, 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 it's so much, it would be impossible to keep a record of it. David said, Lord, if you marked down my transgressions, none of us would ever be able to stand before you. All the shameful things that we've done in our past, all the things that we, we never want to remember, all of, the, all of the many things that we can't even remember because it's too much history, you have been forgiven of, praise God. And we will shout from the rooftops about God's forgiveness in relation to our lives. But Paul turns the coin and he says, with that same level of forgiveness, forgive one another. I'm not saying these things this morning because there's any issues here among us. But I believe the Holy Spirit just wants, us to, sh wants to show us the dimension of this love that has been shed abroad in our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do it. When somebody smacks you on the side of the face, what's the first thing you want to do? <laughs> That's right. Of course. That's the first thing we do. It's the first thing we want to do. But Jesus, you know what he said about that? He said, when somebody strikes you on one side of the face, show them the other side because you love them. Let them strike you on the other side. But it's hard for us. But he could say it. Because he lived it and demonstrated it. Whatever situation, any, whatever situation we may find ourselves in. The love of God is more than able. It's, it's the love of God is more than able within us to enable us and to empower us to live this life. I'm going to finish by telling you a little story. I've shared this before, maybe a few years ago, but it fits this message this morning well. Remember, as a teenager, going my dad's house, mum and dad's house in Yorkshire. And uh, my dad had had a bang on his car. The side panel of his car was dented. And uh, this one day we 
we thought, oh, do you know what? We're going to try and fill it and make it look tidy. So we went out just into the back lane. We started filling this, this uh, side panel of his car and sanding it and then just putting a little paint, bit, bit of paint on it. It wasn't a really good job, to be honest, but we were just doing what we could do to try and make his car tidy. Well, just as we were finishing up, the owner of a company came round the corner. And um, my dad knew him because he owned the flat that my mum and dad were renting. And uh, this guy just started to give my dad what for. Because we'd just, well, we didn't know what we did. We, we sanded down the car. We put a bit of paint on it to, to, to make it look half decent. But in this man's mind, because my dad's car was near his nice shiny BMW, dust may have gone on his car. He was really angry. He started off by telling us that he'd polished his car the day before for three hours. He said, don't you realize I polished my car all day yesterday and you're working on your car. My dad's got a little scrappy car in comparison to the nice big BMW that's shining. He said, come and see. He said, there's dust on my car that I've polished for three hours yesterday. There's dust from your car and it's gone onto my car. So we walked over. We looked at his car and my dad I, I mean, there was no dust. I looked. There wasn't any dust. And I was just about, see, because I'm still learning at this point. I was just about to give this man a piece of my mind. But they won't know that we're Christ's disciples, if we give them a piece of our mind. But that's what I was going to do. I'm thinking, you've insulted my dad, who's a nice man. There's no dust on your car, and I was going to go for it. My dad stepped in front. And genuinely, not, not an act, not in any kind of false way, genuinely. He said, Keith, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, I just didn't think. I am really, really sorry for, for creating a mess on your car. Please, please, Keith, forgive me. I'm looking, I'm thinking, Dad. What are you doing? You're allowing this man to insult you. This is wrong. Stand up for your rights. This is not right. But genuinely, my dad, he always used to say, Dave, keep strife out of your life. Keep strife out of your life. Keep strife. 
And he lived without strife in his life because he knew the secret, the secret ingredient to life and to living is the agape love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart. And that makes every loss a win. It does. Every loss in this world, it turns it around and makes it a win for you. Not because people are right, but because you get to experience the dimensions of God's love that resides in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, Keith couldn't be consoled. My dad said, Keith, I'll, I'll pay for the car to be washed. Please, allow me. No, he was angry, and he really ripped into my dad, and he went off into his business. That was it, slammed the door. And my dad, come on, Dave, let's, let's go up, have a cup of tea. And then... On the way up, I'm chewing my dad's ear. Dad, I just can't believe it. What do you do? Hot, bothered, stressful, angry. You should have told him. All of this stuff. What was I doing? Indulging in the flesh. Indulging in the flesh. Empowering my strength. Eye for an eye. Get him, Dad. Put his arm around me. Dave, do you know, in times like this, he said, a wise old apostle, he just said, Dave, in times like this, you just got to leave it to God, son. Never forget. You just, you just got to leave it to God, son. Anyway, we went up. The next morning, knock at the door. Even sound effects in this sermon. Knock at the door. Who was it? It was Keith. But now Keith wasn't angry. Because Keith hadn't slept all night. Keith had been crying all night. Because of what he had said. <laughs> what he had said to God's servant. John, please. Could I have a few moments of your time? Keith, coming in, coming up for some breakfast. My mum had the breakfast on. Keith comes to the breakfast table, sits down, makes him some breakfast, makes him a cup of tea. You're welcome, Keith, in our home. What can we do? John, please forgive me for what I said yesterday. I'm so sorry. And he said, I don't know what came over me. Well, what came over him was an indulgence. An indulgence in the flesh that never works. Works. Do you know my dad forget, forgave him? Put his arms around him. He said, Keith, forgiven. Forgotten. Why? Because just in the same way that Christ had forgiven my father, so... My father knew that it was necessary and vital for him to extend the same forgiveness to Keith. Keith went away that day having experienced the agape 
love of God. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're just going to pray as we close. This is the new commandment, Jesus said. That I call you to walk in. To love me. Not as I have loved you. No, to love me. To love one another, sorry. As I have loved you. That's right. To love one another as I have loved you. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us with this. We may look back on our past and realize that we failed more than we've succeeded. Hey, don't be condemned. I've probably failed at it more than any one of you. So don't be condemned. But this love is the only way in which the Christ life works. It's the only way that we get to discover the dimensions of God's love that has been shed abroad in our hearts. You may be here today. You may be in a situation that's very challenging relationally. You may be in a, in, in, in a situation in work. This, this applies to so many different aspects of our lives. And it may seem as if you're hitting your head against a wall may seem so hard to go forward. It may seem as if you're taking one step back or one step forward and a hundred steps back. But you know what? With the love of God flowing out of you in your heart, you can do it. You really can. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your people this morning. Lord, you know all of the challenges and the, the situations that we're in. You know the pressures that we face. You know sometimes how we find it so easy to indulge in the flesh, to express anger, to let out words and curses that from our mouth that we shouldn't say. We hurt and we injure others. But Lord, we want to live in this new command. We want it to be the very hallmark of our lives. We want to keep strife out of our life. We want to walk in this dimension of power in your Holy Spirit to know this newness of life, to reign in life so that men might know that we are your disciples by the love that we have for one another. And Lord, I pray that as we go out into this next week, there's going to be people all around us that's going to need this love that's unconditional, there's going to be people and situations that we're going to walk into where we need to manifest this agape love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to understand that even when it feels as if we're losing, we're winning because we live in you. We ask this in Jesus' name for your glory. And all God's people said, Listen, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to sing in just a moment, just before we go. And let's give Jesus, come on, let's give him a shout. Why don't you shout Jesus? Shout praise to his name. Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to sing. God bless you.